Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. All right. Welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And as always, thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and uh, subscribing, letting them know that this is the place to get the best practices for your practice to grow it, especially in the times that we're in right now. And today we have a very special occasion because we've yet to have on this show a three-peat. And we have a three-peat. It's like, you know, the Chicago Bulls from the early 90s or the Lakers from the 2000s. It is Scott Hansen is joining us again. Scott's been on as a personal interview here. He was on with the con, uh, consultant interview that we did with all the other consultants. And so I'm thrilled to have you back. Thanks for being back, Scott. Man, I have never gotten such an awesome introduction. Um, <laughs> I, I am honored. Uh, the honor is mine. So yeah, thanks What's for What's even me. better about that, Scott, is I'm so the last person to use um, to know about sports, but I know that <laughs> that's, that's that. So <laughs> you make me look, look pretty good at using some sports. <laughs> Well, since you've been on a couple times before, what I would like to do is I don't want to, like, we know that you have such an amazing background as a practice owner, as uh, someone who actually worked inside the practice, and your parents grew up as a practice owner too, right? Yep. And so I actually worked for my mom to grow it. Yeah. Uh, so my mom's an orthodontist, and uh, she's since retired. So she retired in March, sold the practice to Smile Doctors, and wow. uh, you had Scott Law on here, and, yeah. uh, you know, amazing business, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, it, was, awesome. it was an exciting adventure growing the practice. Well, and then you went out and you grew another business, right? With your uh, uh, chats yep, group. Yeah, the ortho chat, yeah. Sold that off. And then now you're building up even more with Black Bison Group. And, you know, I've, I've talked about you on uh, Facebook and on the show here with the reports that you did at the beginning of COVID to help people understand how to get through it and how to deal with the PPP and how to deal with the small business loans. Uh, that, that was just such invaluable information. So I'm super thrilled to have you on again. Hey, it's a pleasure. And it's really fun to see some of this stuff uh, start to play out. And I think, you know, hopefully uh, things are better than the worst case scenario picture that I painted. And I mean, that's that, that was really the goal is, um, be conservative and be wrong, um, but not spend all of your cash and be wrong. So yeah. uh, I'm glad that things are picking up for a lot of practices uh, across the country. And I'm just crossing my fingers that when these government checks stop flowing, that it continues to be um, the same, you know, environments to take advantage of. You know, what's interesting about that, as you were just saying that I'm thinking, uh, you know, back in the the recession and other times that were challenging for businesses, you didn't have a buffer. It was just, it was just coming at you. Right. And there was no slowing down that, that ball was rolling downhill and you were either beneath it or a side, the side of it, or you're behind it. Mm -hmm. But right now, if people really take advantage of this opportunity to have this buffer to prepare, it's kind of like having that warning sign before you hit the iceberg, knowing you're still going to hit the iceberg, but you have a warning sign of prepare for and know what to do. Uh, that's exactly what I think your reports did. And people, like you said, who paid attention were conservative, weren't just like going crazy with one extreme or another, but mm. prepared for it. They're going to, they're going to do okay. I think. Oh, I think that there's going to be like this environment now, probably for the next one or two years is going to be some of the best opportunity um, 
in the market that we've seen in a long time. So I think that the people who are um, aggressive and, um, you know, just aggressive and how they approach the, all the opportunities that exist, uh, I think that will, there's going to be some big wins come out of this. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that play out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, let's talk about some, uh, some of the stuff we were talking about beforehand when it comes to preparing for getting back to business. Now, the majority of the states are opening up a little bit more. Uh, I think I just saw something where, uh, what was the state where they're opening up um, dental offices again? Was it New York? Yeah, New York. Mm-hmm. Just said that mm-hmm. They're going to open up dental offices again. So at the time of this recording, we've got a pretty good number of offices being able to get back to some sort of normal. Of course, mm-hmm. there's still changes in what you got in protocols and things like that. Sure. So what I really want to focus our time on is where do you think people should be focusing a lot of their time, effort, and energy when it comes to opening back up again? Sure. You know, I think a lot of these issues that we'll discuss, um, they're issues or opportunities that have existed for a long time. It's just like you said, we have the time to focus on them. Um, and I think the first is efficient staffing. Um, mm. You know, in the environment that we're in now, we have uh, you know, we might be seeing 50 or 75% of our normal patient volume um, and spacing everything out, stretching out our hours. And I think the first thing for practices to think about is, do they need a full staff to do that? Likely the answer is no. Uh, and so to stretch your staffing to match your schedule is really important. That way you don't have a disproportionate labor cost um, compared with your production and collections. Um, but the other thing to think about is, do you have assistants that are particularly personable or great on the phones? And how could you take advantage of that and move, maybe shift things around in the practice while we have these stretched out hours and take advantage of other gold mines in the practice that we otherwise didn't or made excuses that we just didn't have enough time or enough staffing. Uh, And I think those two areas are one speed to lead or how fast we're getting to the leads that contact us and two reactivation of our recall and obs patients. Um, And I think the first, uh, you know, if we have adequate staffing on the phones, and even if we need to bring someone uh, who's an assistant back to help us with that, the faster we get a hold of those, uh, the people contacting us for treatment, the more likely we are to get a hold of them. And I've spoken a lot on this, but the statistics are absolutely mind blowing. If you contact them within five minutes, as opposed to even an hour, um, the likelihood of getting hold to them is like a thousand percent higher. I don't even know what the real numbers are, but I've done um, a bunch of lecturing on a James Oldroyd study. He's an MIT professor that studied Mm -hmm. like thousands and thousands of leads. And it is incredible. What happens in a lot of practices is we'll get the patients filling out the form on our website or on our landing page or from a Facebook ad or Instagram ad. And the, the front office staff, just not because they're doing anything malicious, just because they haven't been trained, they will wait until like Friday, for instance, when there's downtime and they'll call all those people back. Right. Well, in, if they, you know, expressed interest on a Monday, we're waiting till Friday, the likelihood of them contacting another practice and getting going in another practice is significantly higher. 
or for something else to just pri- take priority in their finances, their TV breaks, their car breaks down, whatever it is. So we yeah. need to be contacting these people and getting them into the office or doing a virtual exam as soon as humanly possible. And one of the ways we can do that is make sure we have enough people on the phones. So we're not missing calls, one, but two, when we get those inbound leads into the practice, uh, when we have patients filling out the forms that we're calling them immediately because we're very likely to get a hold of them if we do that. And the second is reactivating the recall and OBS. This is something that if you weren't doing it um, over the last two months is absolutely vital. And this has a disproportionately positive effect for smaller practices that have been around for a long time and maybe don't have processes built for this already. Um, But this is probably the lowest hanging fruit in most practices. And that is we have a list of hundreds or in some cases, thousands of patients that we've seen that never started treatment and we never call them or like we may call them once a year when we think about asking the staff to do it. Um, But what we really need is a process to be following up with these people every month. So we should be calling these people once a month until they have clearly expressed that they're not interested in our calls. They die or they start treatment. And those should be really the only three paths that get taken when we're making those calls. And the results from that are amazing. Um, That was one of the first things I did when we started growing our practice is we got the recall list and started calling them. If you make a hundred calls, which one person can do in a day, you're going to schedule more than five patients for exams. And that's 15 or 20 grand in production after you factor case acceptance that one person can make a difference just by making a hundred phone calls in a day. And so if you have 500 or a thousand, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And you know, it's, this is not the glorious work of building a business, but when we look at the people who are speaking that have these mega practices that um, seem to just absolutely slay it, there's a lot of work behind the scenes of building these systems that create that, um, you know, winning practice like that. So I think those are the two main things in terms of staffing. I cannot agree with you more. I mean, it just, it's so important to make sure you have the right players and the right positions. And the fact that you could, uh, look, I know there are a lot of people who um, rightfully so are probably taking the opportunity to say, hmm, maybe I don't need this many people because of it's a, it's a huge cost in my payroll. Mm-hmm. But if you can shift the seats on the deck a little bit and you find somebody you can train very quickly on how to be great on the phones and how to intake, but you don't need them in the back because you don't need that many assistants. I think that's a great idea. But man, those recalls, I, I, I just don't understand when a doctor says to me, yeah, we need more referrals. I'm like, well, what about, what, what about the ones that you've already seen? Like how's yeah. the follow-up process? Most people don't have a process. Most people aren't actually going through. And what you said about they either have died, they've said no, or they've started treatment. Those are the only reasons to stop calling people. I yep. have been in countless offices, you know, you've talked to countless people too, who their whole process is okay. Well, we give them a call. And then we'll follow up like on another week and then we'll give maybe another week and next month we'll do it one more time. But if not, then we'll just put them on the like, do not disturb list. I'm like, what are you talking about? These people are busy. People have lives. They're not thinking about you the way you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. What a disservice that you're doing. And that's what I hope a lot of people hear from even what you said is, man, be the type of business owner that cares so much about your clients or potential clients that you need them to tell you no in order for you to stop calling them. You're not bugging yeah. them. 
Absolutely. And if you truly believe that you're the best to provide them that service, there's no reason not to keep calling them. That's Um, right. And there's honestly no reason to do it if you don't think you're the best. Yeah, that's true. Good point. um, Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it is such low hanging fruit. And in many practices, it's just several hundred thousand dollars. That's just waiting there to be picked. Sitting there. Yep. Wow. And right now the time is available for them to do it. The uh, most likely the resources, meaning the people to be able to do it is available. And you're probably going to catch a lot more people at home right now than you would on a normal basis. Yeah. And what's really cool about, especially about recall and OBS reactivation is you can tie production directly to those activities. Whereas some things that you spend money on, it's like, well, do I know if I'm getting a return or not? hard to tell this, you can say, okay, I called these hundred people, this many scheduled, this many started. Um, So it's very direct um, back to the top line and the bottom line, which is awesome. Love it. Um, Another, yeah. So another thing that I think uh, practices can take advantage of is the cheaper digital ads. So spoke with Glenn Krieger the other day and uh, he convinced me, he said, you know, ads are cheaper than they have been in a long time. Yep. And uh, yeah, just go after it. Um, There's no reason, especially at the beginning of summer, there's going to be some pent up demand. So we have two things going for us. Our goal should be to be top of mind when those people start uh, thinking about orthodontic treatment or triggering that thought in their head. And so to take advantage of the cheaper digital ads now and do a June marketing blitz and keep the foot on the gas until you see the ROI start to decrease uh, to where it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because certainly the ads at the ads, the cost per click or whatever will increase over time as uh, companies start to jump back onto those platforms and spend money. But for right now, we should really seize the day and um, go after it if we have available cash. The third thing is to um, use the good nature of people trying to support small businesses to benefit our small business. So we have a lot of people we've seen, you know, I can't tell you how many Instagram stories and stuff I saw of people going out and getting either delivery or carry out from their favorite restaurants because they really wanted to keep them in business. And um, this sense of pride for small businesses and wanting to see them succeed, um, we can take advantage of, especially when it comes to asking for reviews. Patients are going to be much more willing to give us reviews now. On top of that, because most of our schedules are stretched out and we're not seeing a full capacity of patients, the doctor one-on-one time and the assistant one-on-one time is even greater. And so we have the time to actually ask these people for reviews. And as we, as we generate these reviews, it's a snowball effect and it can last for years. So we spend the effort generating hundred or 200 Google reviews this year. Those reviews are there next year and the year after that and the year after that. And so I mean, you see these big practices, a lot of them, like this is their mentality. They don't stop because they know that every single one that they add is one that they don't have to add tomorrow or the next day. Um, And And I keep it fresh. What's that? And it keeps it fresh. It keeps it up to date. It keeps people uh, being, look, you can never have too many people saying you're awesome. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm very much with you. Um, I've read one of your most recent uh, blogs about scripting. I think that oh. there are certainly cases where scripting is important. Most of the time, 
to give some examples and hire great personable people is the best bet. But for, but for these reviews, it's pretty easy to teach the staff a pretty simple script to get these reviews. Yes. And yep. at the basis, it is, would you be willing to write us a Google review right now? It would mean the world to us. Like everyone yep. can remember that. Yep. It's genuine. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're seeing 40 patients in a day and you ask 30 of them for a review, you're going to get 20 or 25 reviews. Yep. Um, and you probably will not have that opportunity ever again uh, in your practice to have that one-on-one time. Here's something to think about too with that as you are asking people to do so. There is an innate desire in all of us to, uh, to be a little competitive. And so if you ask people to do that and you even give them uh, just a simple sheet of paper that has typed out what other people have said and yes. even a, temple, a little tiny template of like, tell us your name, when did you start treatment and what was the experience like? But when they see other people's stuff, there, especially right now, there's this desire of like, well, I want to do a little better or I want to, okay, I want to say it like that or, or ooh, I like the way that they said that. Give them some examples. People don't want to overthink what they have to do. So tell them what they have to do. It's funny if you look at any book that's out there in the bookshelf right now that is, you know, top number one bestselling book, all of the testimonials on there, I'm going to say 99% of them, probably 99.9% of them were not written by the person that is quoted. They were written by someone else and that person who was quoted approves it and says, yeah, that, okay, yeah, I totally agree with that. Or mm -hmm. if they did read it, here's some things you can say about the book. Make sure you put this in your testimonial. It's called marketing. You got to control it. So. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think that there's even like there are some accessory benefits that you don't consider when someone leaves your review. It's not just for the people who are unfamiliar with your practice and they, you know, they Google your practice and read the reviews. When someone writes you a review, they have confirmation bias. Yes. Now it's public that they love your practice. And now the next time one of the moms posts on Instagram, does anyone know a great orthodontist? They're more likely to contact that person and say, yeah, we, we go to Dr. Hansen and we just love them because yeah. they've already said that publicly and that confirmation bias is real. So you end up actually generating more patient referrals by generating more reviews, which, um, yeah, I, th I think we just don't think about it that much, but the power of that is real. Then on the other side of that too, there's the desire of the me too, of like somebody reads that who hasn't put up their, their posting yet. Mm -hmm. So mom sat on Facebook and says, Hey, what about this person? You're going to get a group of people jumping and they're saying, Oh yeah, I went to them too. Oh yeah. They were amazing. And now yep. you're just piling on. So yeah, absolutely. That's great. Mm -hmm. It's a great focus right now. Yep. Uh, and really low hanging fruit and very easy. Like you don't need a robust system to do that. Like it's pretty simple. So, <laughs> um, Next, I think focusing on same day starts uh, mm. because we have a unique environment in that people are much more um, sensitive to their surroundings and mm. don't maybe don't want to expose themselves any more than they have to, but they want to get yep. treatment. Um, we can be teeing that up from the new patient phone call or before, you know, on our website that we do same day braces and same day aligners. And then when we get them on the phone, say, Hey, in order to create a safer environment for you guys and to, you know, offer greater convenience, we're going to schedule enough time to get started if there's any recommended treatment on the same day. Yeah. Um, so we're teeing them up before they get there. And because we have more one-on-one -on -one time with the patient, super easy. Like we can really pour into the relationship and get them going 
whereas before it might have felt a little bit chaotic or unorganized, um, trying to fit someone in the schedule. Well, we've got empty chairs. Um, and right. so uh, let's take advantage of it. Um, the moment those people leave, it's a 20% reduction in case acceptance. And so it, we're just leaving money on the table if we're not focusing on same day starts. It's a great point with your team as well, because I know there are people listening to this right now who their biggest pushback hasn't been the patients. It's been the team members like, oh, we can't fit people in. And, you know, you're making us rush or whatever. And now you got time. Not only is that person, you know, helping pay the rent. So we want to get them in as soon as we can. But we got time. Yeah, And we've seen teams rally. Uh, Teams around the country are rallying around like getting stuff back, like getting the businesses back. Like they don't want to be looking for jobs. Um, And so we're, this is a unique time in which people were kind of forced to come together and work on the same team. Um, And we can, we can carry that forward with same day starts. Cause I I think you're right. It, It is hard when you're sitting on the front side of it, not used to doing same day starts to imagine how it could be done. Um, Mm -hmm. But now it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to imagine how it can be done. And we just need to carry over those good habits as things pick back up and as our patient volumes pick back up um, and just keep doing them because they work. That's why Mm -hmm. these huge practices have been doing them for a long time. Yeah, that's nothing new to them. What's funny is I was talking to a doc a couple of months ago and right before he was getting ready to start opening up again, And he was talking about his schedule and how he's going to do like five days instead of four. And he's going to do uh, split schedules because he's got so many team members. He wants to make sure everybody can work and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, think about this right now, more than any other time in the, in the history of your practice, people are going to be forgiving. People are going to be like, okay, sure. I mean, if you're again, not doing anything illegal or moral or fattening, right. They're going to be on board with it. So To be able to, because I said, think about if you would have done this last summer. If you would have gone in and said, hey, guys, to maximize our time, we're going to go five days a week, split schedules. They would have been up and out. They would all left you. Now they're open to it. So as you're going back and you're implementing a lot of the stuff that Scott's talking about and whether it be same day starts or whether it be, no, we have a new protocol where we are following up with people on a daily or weekly basis to, until they tell us no, your team members are going to be a lot more willing. Well, let me say this. Your team members who are team members and not staff infections, they are going to be a lot more willing to actually get in there and help out. It's also a great way to be able to decide if this person is a right fit or not for your team. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And I would just say the last thing, um, the last of these points is, and as a practitioner, I'm not at all suggesting that I know how to treat orthodontic cases, although I've been around it a lot. And that is just stop seeing patients that you don't need to see. Um, we had a great opportunity where some, where the government told us you can't see anyone. And it gave us a Petri dish that showed us the patients that we really didn't need to see. We just kind of did it because it was part of the routine. Um, yep compared with the patients that we really did need to see to push treatment forward um, and for the benefit of the patient. And so uh, you should really take a a client should take a close look at um, all the different appointment types, the progression throughout treatment, where we are just seeing people because we always have seen them and where we really don't need to see them. And we could maybe even a two or three minute virtual appointment could suffice. Um, We 
we should be carrying forward these good practices of increasing production and decreasing costs forever. Uh, yeah. We should use this as a great opportunity to, to build better practices. And I think that's one of the ways that we can. And that's been a really exciting um, result of this whole thing is we've, we really have seen, you know, the inefficiencies in our practice because we've been forced to. I agree. It's a, a time where we've never before had an opportunity to pause, uh, put our hands down, right, from the pushing of this boulder that we're pushing uphill all day long and say, wait a minute, what is a better way for me to leverage my time, my team, my talent, and really create uh, the optimal experience, not just for the patient, mm -hmm. but for you as a practice owner. I say all the time, you know, there's a difference between have, being a practice uh, owner and an, a, a practice operator. And many people fall into that operator side of where they're just like operating on a day-to-day -day basis, trying to figure it out. Well, you've been given a gift to pause and think, okay, let me look at this as an owner. What would I do? How can I streamline stuff? What do I not need to do? What's the, what's the, uh, the bloated things that we do in our office? What do they call it? The pork, right? That's in our office that we don't need anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, what a, what a great opportunity for people to do so. Indeed. Let me ask you this. You're big into marketing, right? And, and you've done a lot of the marketing side of things. What do you think people should be doing with their marketing dollars right now? We talked about ads, which Google ads and all that stuff way cheaper right now. What should they be doing with their marketing budgets right now? You know, I think that's a big piece. Um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of line items um, associated with the marketing budget, community marketing, community marketing events, marketing to dentists, some of that stuff probably should take a back seat because it's just not going to be as effective. Um, but with the digital ads, there's a huge opportunity. Um, and I would say you should look at in the past, what was most successful for you um, should have, you know, time to do that. And so to look back and say, where did I generate the highest ROI? Because the other thing to consider is we do have the next year to think about. And we don't know what's going to happen when the government checks stop flowing. We don't know what's going to happen with the stock market. I talk to, you know, my private equity buddies and hedge fund buddies and stuff all the time. And they're like, what's going on? I said, please make sense of this for me, that we have tremendous amount of unemployment of people who are in less than $40,000 a year and they're getting paid more not working than they were working. It's crazy. And the stock market has like, if you looked, if you just took a snapshot of today and three months ago, you would think that not very much happened and it right. just makes absolutely no sense. And so those, I, again, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but to plan for the future and not be, um, not be too liberal with how we spend our money is really important. And so we should be targeting all of the most effective um, marketing campaigns that we've done in the past um, and taking advantage of the, of the cheaper, cheaper stuff now. So. Well, look, even if look, you just gave yourself a timeline and said, okay, well until January of next year, I'm going to be super conservative with my budget and figure out on and only spend on the things that I know are going to work or will work what's the worst that could happen? You get to the place of next year of going, oh, look, all the craziness that everybody was predicting or thinking might happen didn't happen. Cool. Uh, look, I'm shocked right now that our housing market hasn't already dropped insane, right? But it's because people have the money from these stimulus checks. 
But once those run out, like you say, um, I have a really good friend who's a realtor. We've been looking at a couple of houses and maybe thinking about purchasing. And um, yeah, right now everybody's still got the money. Yeah. Not everyone yeah. is crazy hurting. So I don't, I don't think there should be like a massive departure from what you used to do, especially if it was working, yeah. but um, just be cautious. I think, I think that's the main thing is that's right. you know, proceed, be a realistic optimist. And right. realistically, we don't know what's going to happen over the next 12 months, but we can plan for it to get a little bit better. And that's what we should be doing. Um, and taking advantage of all the people that are truly just scared out of their mind and not doing anything. Um, that presents a huge opportunity for people who are opportunistic. There's a, is it, uh, oh, what's his name? The guy from McDonald's who created McDonald's. Um, Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc is saying of when your competition is drowning, shove a hose down their throat. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that? I mean, I don't know if you want yeah. to go that extreme, but I'm saying the point is, is like, yeah, like you said, take advantage of this, of uh, being able to be strategic. That's what I mean about making sure you're not just throwing money up against the wall, but being strategic about it, right? Saying, okay, what would happen if I was super conservative and made sure I got ROIs that I wanted? I invested in people, which I was going to ask you too, when it comes to um, good ad people. I think one of the big challenges that a lot of people are facing right now is there's also opportunistic marketers, widgets, gadgets, whatever of like, Hey, do my thing. So having to really have a good filter about that, have a good process to know what's going to work and what's not going to work, but be conservative on that. So that therefore by the end of the year, you're like, Oh man, I'm killing it. And I've got all this extra that I can do. What would you say would be some filters people should be looking for when it comes to uh, good people that, you know, from, for marketing ads, stuff like that, like you're saying for Facebook ads or for, uh, uh, Google ads. Sure. Um, I think when you're trying to, well, I think first you can learn a lot of this on your own and it doesn't t- it's not that hard mm-hmm. and it doesn't take that much time. And so you can, you can dip your toes in the water and see if you can be successful on your own, run a few campaigns. Um, if that's not what you're interested in doing or the practice is of the scale where you're operating truly as the owner and not as the operator. Um, I think the most important questions to ask when you're trying to choose someone to run ads for you is how clearly can we define our goals Mm -hmm. and how clearly can we measure success? Because what, what I find a lot of times is it's really easy to steal people's money in digital marketing because people don't take the time to understand it. And so they'll say, Oh, like we spent a thousand dollars on Facebook ads last month and we got 70 clicks. And that like, sounds like a lot, but those 70 clicks could have turned into 14 appointments or they could have turned into two. And that dramatically impacts the return on investment that you spent on those thousand dollars Facebook ads. One of them has a patient acquisition cost of not very much. And one of them has a patient acquisition cost of 500 bucks. Now could be that where you're at that 500 bucks is sufficient. And so you're like, all right, let's just pour more money into it. Like we've got enough margin there. Let's go. But if we're not defining what success looks like with our marketing department, with our marketing partners from the get go, then we are at their mercy. Um, and not, I I don't mean to say that 
like marketing people are evil. Like I certainly love marketing and I don't think that at all, sure. but you're much more likely to um, waste your money if we're not defining what those clear goals are for the money spent from, you know, from the very start. Well, I think to that point, um, whether you're going to hire somebody or not, you should educate yourself because where you're going to lose the most money is when you are uneducated. And even if you hire good people, because you don't know what to specifically ask them. I was on a seminar, uh, a virtual training this last weekend. It was a, a, a virtual event about virtual events. And one of the things that the person was saying uh, was when we go into any type of situation and we just hire people who we expect to know what they're, what they do or that they know what they're doing. And we aren't educated. We don't have to be an expert. We don't have to know how to do their job, but we have to know at least what we want as the end result. Like you were saying the goal, because we're educated enough to know how they're doing the thing that they're doing or what I should be looking for. Your example is perfect. How yeah, many I think people you, you have to have to hold people accountable. Yeah. Well, people who are like, oh yeah, no, we got a thousand clicks. I mean, we're rocking it. It's like, well, but I didn't see any money coming in. Oh, well that, you know, and then it'll come. No, I want the tangible result. I want to know how many butts came into my office and how many closes we got from that. That's and what I've it. found is the best marketers love clients like that. Yes. And they love educating people about that. They say, That's Hey, true. you know, you're going to spend all this money, but where are the results going to be? We're going to help you measure that. And here's how we're going to help you measure that. The people yeah. that um, maybe are less experienced or, um, don't like to be held accountable like that will gloss over it um, and make kind of vague, they'll create vague expectations of what to expect in the future. So um, that's a great know. point is that most of those, most people who are really great at what they're doing, they're trying to help you grow, not just by trusting them, but by growing, by them, Absolutely. by them asking, having demands of you. Right. In order for us to get this to happen, you need to do this and we need to watch you do this. So, and the good marketers know that they can deliver on it. And so they know that you're going to be their client for a long time. And that's yeah. the goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Cool for both of us. Like it's, it's terrible. Like it's a terrible project to look for a new person to run ads. Like it's not. Yes. And it's funny because I'm literally going to be doing that in a moment. Like, <laughs> and it is look, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of lessons you learn from hiring the wrong people as well, but I would, I'd rather learn the right lessons that, that can help me grow. And like you said, find somebody that I can just work with over and over and over again. It just makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. All right. So anything else that we would want to make sure people are focusing on right now as they're transitioning back into the office, we've covered uh, talent or staff, we've covered marketing, we've covered even being willing to, not see certain patients that you don't need to be seeing right now. Uh, anything, any other tools that you've heard about maybe over the last couple of weeks that you think are imperative to some people's growth in this, this new time? I mean, your own effort in putting together some of these systems, I think is the greatest, like the time that we have to actually put this stuff together. Um, some practices are just getting rolling again and to just spend a couple of hours and write out the script for like the simple two sentences that I said and teach it to your staff and talk about the importance, get print out the list or, you know, uh, save the list of all your recall patients and 
have someone call through the entire list this month. Like those are simple things and they're not magic bullets. Like none of this stuff is, you know, that's not a, a tool that's necessarily going to like change the practice. Um, but they are systems that if you design them now are systems or tools that you can use forever. Uh, and so that's the best return on investment you can have better than buying any widget or anything else. That's a really great point that I hope people are really looking at this time for the thing that will change the practice forever, not for a filler. I was on an event uh, recently a couple of weeks ago and, you know, the person was saying, it's like, well, I mean, I, I guess I can see it for now, but I mean, not like we're going to do this forever. It's like, no, 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 no. You put things into place right now that you actually can put in to your practice forever. One of the things I'm, I'm seeing that I'm a bit concerned about and I'm cautioning a lot of people around is if you've ever seen any of those shows where say like survivor, someone's out there, they're starving for, you know, a week or whatever. And then they get a, a buffet in front of them of food because they want a challenge or they get, you know, they come back home or whatever. And then they, they gorge themselves, right. And they eat and eat. And then of course what happens afterwards is they get sick because they're introducing that food into their, their life so, or their body so quickly. I do have a fear of uh, people getting the all clear go ahead and just gorging themselves on, oh, we got to get people in, we got to get people in and not having those systems in place. And it's going to end up badly. Take the time, like you just said, to really sit down with the team and have a strategic plan of what's the first phase, what's the second phase, what's the third phase, it's totally cliche, but the, the phrase that comes to my mind is that old saying that says, you know, you either, fail, you either plan to fail or fail to plan, plan to fail or fail to plan, right? So. Absolutely. Did I say that right? I said that wrong. If you don't plan, if you don't plan. If you. You're planning to fail, something you, like that. You know what I'm saying? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. There you go. See, I meant that. Thanks for taking out of my brain what I was trying to say. <laughs> Shannon does that all the time. Uh, awesome. Well, you know, at the end of our show, we always do our six questions that we always ask and uh, maybe we'll see if they've changed since the last time that you were on and, and see what, uh, especially with the new world that we're in. Are you ready to play? Let's do it. Awesome. So what is the one thing that you think most practice owners are missing in their practice to be successful? Without a doubt, recall and OBS reactivation protocols. Love it, so true. Uh, what's one book that you think every private practice owner should be reading right now? I've been thinking about this as you've been, as, like everything you've said is pointed to this book and it's E-Myth Revisited. And it is literally outlines exactly what you've been talking about. I think one of my favorite lines in the book is if you own a business and the business relies on you, you just have a job. Yes. Which yeah. I mean is, is a little, it's unique in an orthodontic practice and that, totally. you know, in some cases, like, especially as the practice grows, it relies on the treatment decisions of the doctor. But the point is like, if you're having to do a bunch of other stuff besides make treatment decisions, you have a job, you, you're, you don't own a business. You know, you mentioned Scott Law earlier, and I remember so fondly one day where we were talking, he said, you know, I truly believe that my job is only threefold. It's to design treatment plans, make sure the treatment plans are being followed, not necessarily that I'm doing the treatment plan, but that they're being followed and 
to make moms happy. That's his three, that's his three business plan, his three point business plan. And as you say that, it just makes me think of, yes, even as an orthodontist though, how, and time to rethink and how are you going to make yourself not as essential in the sense of having to have your fingers wet every single day and running your business. And that's so, so, so true. Emeth is great. Emeth Revisit is awesome. Um, okay. Uh, how can people reach out to you again and uh, let them know what's the best way? And do you have an updated uh, COVID report? Um, no, I don't. Um, this is serving as my updated COVID report. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Transcribe it and put it out there. That's right. Um, blackbisongroup.com. Um, they can reach out to me by way of the website. That's probably the easiest way. Awesome. What's the one piece of advice uh, that you've received that, uh, sorry, what's the best piece of advice that you've received in life or in business? I'm going to cheat because I'm going to combine two ideas, but focus on what you have control over Mm -hmm. and maintain a clear focus on the business objective. Nice. Have that focus. I like both of them had focus on it. I think a lot of people get caught up in, um, in how they feel about stuff. Let's say they have a problem patient or something and they're trying to figure out how to unwind the problem patient. If you just, I mean, this is kind of a, this may be a bad example, but if you just like give them their money back and have them sign stuff that says they're not going to be mean to you, like, yes, it feels bad in that, like you're angry because you know you did everything right for this patient and this patient's just crazy but it helps you accomplish your business objective and getting back to like doing stuff that pushes the practice forward. So just not letting your emotions take over and keep focus on what the goal is. Keith Cunningham says that uh, you can have all the problems you want. You just gotta be willing to decide how much of a, how big of a check you wanna write for that problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, I literally just had this email sent to me yesterday of this exact same scenario where somebody had started right before COVID and now they moved away and now they want their money back and back and forth. And I'm like, dude, write them the check. This is not worth your time. Like, yeah. Yeah, And like all that, that emotional toll that it takes on you um, is just not worth it. And you can just spend that same effort and energy doing stuff that makes the practice better. There's no shortage of sick people. Go get someone else who needs your help. (laughs) All right. And lastly, what is the number one thing that you think every private practice owner should be doing in their business to be successful over the next year? Maximizing the use of their phones. Mm, Nice. Which sounds really old fashioned because I'm big into digital marketing, but most practices that I start working with do not do a good job on their phones. And it's because they're not tracking it. They don't take advantage of digital phone systems to track how many missed calls to record their new patient calls and all that stuff, track how fast they're getting back to patients. Um, The phones are a huge bottleneck in a lot of practices. I totally agree. I just recorded another episode, an episode last week. Um, and our conversation was all around that, that director of first impressions, right? Just having someone who I, I actually think it should be a much uh, higher paid job. It's not an entry level job. I think if you're using it correctly and you're training them correctly, that you can, you win or lose the game when it comes to getting people into your practice through the phones. So I love it. 
Yeah, the people who are on the phones and the, at the front desk, they're basically like the mascots of the practice. Like many of the mm-hmm. patients, they like rarely, or many of the parents rarely see the doctor. They rarely see the other people, but those are the people that they, when they think of the practice, they think of those people. Like the, the way those people make them feel is yep. creating the brand of the practice. Well, um, Annie, who I was interviewing last week, she made this great point about how if you look, if you look at the times uh, one patient or sorry, how often one patient sees certain people inside their practice, whether it be the doctor, the clinical assistants, the treatment coordinator, financial coordinator, the one person who is seen way more than anyone else is that director of first impressions right there in the Mm -hmm. front. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. I love it. Scott, you're always such just a plethora of great information. And I always love talking to you, not only because it's nice talking to, you know, another guy consultant in this industry, you know, we're kind of a rare breed, but (laughs) because you just have so much great information and it's really great to hear from you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I feel the same way. It's an honor to be here. And uh, it's it's fun to learn from you, from all the guests that you have. And um, you're creating some uh, amazingly generous resources for practice owners. And so um, I will say thank you from all of them because they're awesome. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's fun. We're having a good time. Well, and everybody, thank you again for tuning in to the Propreneur podcast and sharing this information again with your friends and family. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you do so because we love our subscribers and we love being able to grow this podcast uh, to share with more people, no matter what practice you're in, no no matter what you're doing. Remember that our goal is always to help you be more proactive, more productive, and more profitable in all areas of your life and business. We'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.